Well, it's good to be here and want to uh, welcome everybody here and uh, just praised, I, I just feel praised due to the Heavenly Father to give God the honor and the glory because what you've said to each other is ministering to each other. <laughs> um, if I were to close up now, it'd be just about right. <laughs> oh, boy. And I thought Sister Vicky was going to steal my sermon <laughs> in, the, in the Sabbath school class. <laughs> she didn't know. Um, brother, thank you so much that you've shared with us what God is doing in your life. Uh, we need this. This is why we're here, right? Brother back there too, something that he has said, that touched all of our hearts. Each one that spoke said something that touched our hearts, that uh, really helped us to know God is there for us, and Satan is going about as a roaring lion. He knows his time is short, and uh, we have to know how to fight him spiritually. Yes, spiritually fight Satan. So my sermon for today, where is your faith? <laughs> uh, isn't it tough at times to hang in there? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it's not... It's not every day that we run into it and we uh, realize that we need to hang in there. We need to testi testify to others of what we see God do with us because that helps them. Circumstances are not the same. They're never the same. But uh, it helps each other to know that God is with us, God is for us, and faith and help is there, available to us. Yes. And this is the second Sabbath I've preached without my, uh, uh, without the computer up here and uh, other things, and uh, I got it, got it going. I need the little readers <laughs> to help me with a certain range of distance, particularly pulpit distance. Um, but uh, otherwise, my eyes are doing good. When I look at a sheet of paper and I see black ink on these pages, <laughs> thank God for black ink. <laughs> it was pretty gray. And I mentioned that to the doctor one time and he said, yep, he said, people say the newspapers are getting lighter and lighter. They're going cheaper, cheaper on their, on their amount of ink that they put on the paper. <laughs> and he said, no, this is real normal. And now I can see the ink is back again. It must have got a raise, <laughs> bought more ink, but boy, uh, it is a blessing to be able to see better and to be able to see clearly and to be able to distinguish more letters than one at a time. I mean, that gets pretty tough trying to read when you're only seeing one letter at a time. But where is our faith? We really need to be able to hang in there. We need to be thinking about God, reading about the, well, reading the scriptures, uh, reading about what God does in the scriptures to uh, uh, the people in the stories, what Jesus told in the stories. My pastor in Canada used to tell a lot of parables. He preached like in parables. He'd take a Bible example, a parable maybe, and then he would make it into his own parable. And he'd say another parable. It's a type of sermon. Must have done good. Something happened to me. Um... <laughs> uh, Yes, there's uh, blessings in all types of discussion about the Lord and, and helps that the Lord gives us and things in the Bible that we need to pull out of there. So when I was starting to make this sermon, I thought I really should go to um, where Pearl and I happen to be at this time. We're in, um, well, I better, Isaiah and Jeremiah. And uh, we, I guess we haven't got into Ezekiel yet, or did we? Yeah, we've. We're still in Jeremiah. Okay. The reason I don't know where we are is because I've got a Bible identical to this one, just about falling apart though, and I have my marker in there. And every night we turn on the audio and we can listen to the Bible and follow along and underline in the scriptures, underline something that we like. And then we can stop the tape anytime and we can go and hunt some more verses and see more. And I, <laughs> I'm really glad to say, hear our brother say five times in the year, he's going to try hard, I know, I know he will try hard, to read through the whole Bible five times in one year. 
Wow. Why am I saying that a second time for you? Because... Oh, very good, very good. <laughs> right, there you go. Um, I want the people on the video, too, to know that we this, this is not a funny thing for us. This is a real thing, and we enjoy it. Everybody should enjoy it. And when Pearl and I were studying, over, over the years, you know, you do it again and do it again, do it again, and you always think, well, I've already read that one. <laughs> You've got to go back and do it, because... It is absolutely amazing. Is that verse there? Is that chapter still there? You know, wow. And it's all like brand new to you again because God is refreshing it in your minds. It's not that you're so poor at memory. It's just a joy to go back and hear the story a second time. So I tried to figure out how many times that we've read it. Well, we tried to be faithful all along when our children were little. And uh, things got in the way here and got in the way there. And I figured, well, we probably read it once a year anyway. Um, and then you go at least 40 years after that time because our children are not there anymore. They're, they're up here <laughs> looking you in the eye. Um, so at least 40 times that we've read through the whole Bible. That's at one time per year. That's about 20 minutes per day or 20 minutes times five, maybe five days a week, you can do it. And you know what? You get going and you say, oh, we could go another chapter or two, couldn't we? Shall we finish that story? Yeah, it really works. It really is good. Well, some people say, well, I didn't get that far that fast. I didn't get my year one time through the Bible in one year. Don't worry. You're just on the two-year plan. Don't quit. Just keep going. (laughs) Don't quit reading the Bible. Just keep going. What's amazing is that God gave this writing to man that wrote it down, but they saved it and saved it year after year after year, and they'd recopy it because it would wear out. They would recopy it, but they'd add up every page, and every paragraph had to divide by seven because of the Hebrew numbers. Hebrews numbers are built into their letters. Same as Greek and Latin. Remember the I, 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 and I, V, and V, and yeah, the other languages have that same thing. Well, they could add up very quickly and find out, oh, this page is wrong. Mathematically, something's wrong here. Uh, now, shall we try to fix it? No, what they would do is they'd burn it, got rid of it, start over, recopy. That took a lot of time to recopy what you'd already done. But they made sure of their copying and how clearly they printed and so on. So that, that would be readable. And then it went on and on and on. All those generations down to my time, and I can still read about that same God. I can read about their aunts and uncles and cousins that make this book real to me. And it is. It is real. You know what it does? It builds your faith. Now I'm back to the lesson for today. It builds your faith, doesn't it? When you can say, their God still lives today. And he can do the things that, that he did in the past. My God. My God is real, is a song. <laughs> and uh, he's our God, my God. And all the other names of gods that are in the Bible, God didn't hide them from us. He wants us to know that they were the wrong thing to do to follow some other God. That was our Sabbath school lesson this morning. Not how many gods and what their name was or what they taught, that that we don't need to know. This God says, I'm the only God. There is nobody else. There's nobody to compare with me. There's no competitor with me. I made absolutely everything. Is what this God says. Other people, yeah, take a stick and They'd whittle something on it and then they'd pray to it, I guess. Ridiculous. We all know how crazy that is. This can't give me any any miracles to me. Can't do me any good. We need to serve this God, the one that can do things for us, do miracles for us, and, and wants us to be in his graces so that he can give us more things. And all of that brings you back around to where is your faith? So go with me. Turn with me to... Luke chapter 8. If I get in a little bit of trouble because of eyesight, I hope it's not too bad. I almost need a little stronger glasses. 
But these are temporary. These readers are temporary until they get the second eye done, and then they'll, when it's ready to be used, then they can get glasses that'll match both eyes. Okay. Luke chapter 8, and I want verse 25. Chapter 8, and verse 25. Oh, yes. It all comes back. <laughs> I want to tell you a story. Verse 25 is smack in the middle of where we want to be, I guess, or, or the end of it. I guess it's uh, 25 is the end of it, so don't hurry ahead. Let me tell you a little about the story. Jesus was teaching in parables. And you have a patch of red here and a patch of red there and a patch of red down here and a patch of red over there because those are words that somebody decided that Jesus was talking to us, talking to the hearers. And so they said, well, put it in red so that it identifies Jesus. And you know what we ought to do? We ought to read the red ones and find out what Jesus had to say. <laughs> okay. okay, so let's go over it a little bit. Uh, the sower in the seed is in verse 5. So that was good. Then you go down to another paragraph break kind of thing. It's down at verse 16. Uh, is there one before that? I'm not seeing it. Anyway, um, I, I like to catch some words every once in a while and underline them. I got some in green. If the background print is red, I use a green so that it shows up. If it's black, I can use red, red lines, red scribbling to tell me this is important. So... Uh, uh, in verse um, 16, starts a new story. And I, I love these examples that Jesus uses. Uh, you light a candle and you put it under, under a vessel, covered with a vessel. Well, these people had to think of practical things that you're using and how do you relate spiritual things to and from it. Well, that's the same with us. If you take a candle like one of these over here, and you put a jar over the top of it, a vessel of some kind. Put it over the top, what happens? Well, first off, the light doesn't get out. It doesn't shine in the room. Next thing that happens, the oxygen burns up. Well, they didn't have words like that for, but your oxygen in there is gone, and the light goes out. So it's not a good idea to cover it. Then he says, well, why don't you light it? Maybe you'd like to light it and put it under your bed. Well, no, that's ridiculous. But this is Jesus saying, think about these things. In the Old Testament, it says, Selah, in the Psalms. Stop the reading. Think about what you've just heard before going on. That's what this would be like. So he's saying something that, you know, I, I know about that, it doesn't work. True. That's what he's trying to get to you, trying to get something across to you, that the light will go out. You can't, hide it and try to do anything with this light. You need to be out in the open, in a room, so the light can go all over the place and everybody can enjoy this light. And then he gives a good example as to what that means, who it is that's the light, and who's going to receive the light, and so on. You need to read it, right? You don't want me to read it here, do you? <laughs> no, let's not. Okay, so we go down a little further. Um, uh, what I like is this one in, in verse 19. I got a little paragraph mark there. And it says, uh, uh, Jesus was teaching uh, at the beginning of the chapter all the way through here. And all of a sudden, the people came along and they said, your, your mother and your brethren, probably sisters if there were any, but uh, they just say brethren, meaning male and female, but your family members are here and they'd like to talk with you. As you're reading, you find out that they couldn't get through there. I'm going to dip into the water that's up here. The uh, family members couldn't get through to Jesus. They wanted to hear him, wanted to speak with him, wanted them to know that he was there and, and vice versa. And, be, and it says because of the press. We need to put some character into that word. You know, what, what's it really all about? Well, probably the newspaper guys were there too, but that's not who he's talking about. It's just too many people in one place and they're getting squeezed together as more and more try to get in. So you're getting squashed. They couldn't get through. Unless you'd be rude and elbow somebody and you know, try to get through. That's not the way. So um, they said, but he's here. 
And what was Jesus' response in verse 21? He looks around. He said, my mother and my brethren are these. The people right there in front of him. These people. Mostly the 12 that were there that were very, very important. Okay, he's trying to get the message to the 12 so they could take it to another 12 and another 12 and another 12. 12 times 12 times 12. What's that, 1728? I think. <laughs> the message can spread that fast from a room full to a small city. But he says it's for these. These which hear the word of God. Oh, there's some there just to see the colors and see what other people have on as clothing or, uh, you know. Uh, but the ones that are really wanting to hear the word of God. He didn't say my word. Jesus is teaching the Heavenly Father's words. The people came to hear what the Heavenly Father has to say. And then he adds, and do it. Wow. Oh, that sends chills all the way through my whole body. You realize what God is wanting and Jesus is saying, you do this for your Heavenly Father? You do this that the Heavenly Father will receive glory? Wow. And do it. So when we, we should take a message from that. When we hear the message of the Bible, we need to internalize it, we say. We need to hear it. Get it into our body. Get it into our mind. And do what the Bible wants us to do. What the Heavenly Father wants us to do. Then we get into verse 22. So hang on to that thought that we need to do it. There is a certain day. So we don't know what day it was. We don't know what um, lake they were on, what size body of water they were on. But the day came when they went into a ship. It's not a rowboat. Ship. It's a bigger one. Okay. And I can imagine 12 men getting in and maybe some women that traveled with them. And, and Jesus laid down, so there had to be area for, for a bed to somebody to lay down. Okay. They went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, let's go over unto the other side of the lake. You know, what was a lake. You know, if, if it's about eight miles each direction, and your boat is out in the middle, you can't see the, the beaches unless you're really up in a tall ship. You can't see the beaches. The earth bows, the water bows, and about eight miles from you. If you're in the same size boat, you'd see the other boat up that high. Okay. So they're out there. And the reason why I say that is they're out there alone. You get out in the middle of that and you can't see the sides. The Sea of Galilee is a possibility here. And it's about 20 miles long and 10 miles wide. At the wider point, it's wiggly. But from top to bottom, it's 20 miles about. When you get out in the middle of that, you're on your own. Are all 12 going to start rowing? What happens if a wind comes over a bank and blows across the water? You're going to have a lot of turbulence, a lot of water movement, a lot of problems. Let's keep going a little bit. It's a short reading. Uh, in, uh, yeah, they went over the lake and they launched forth, went forward. They put the boat in the water or pushed the boat away from the shore and got out in the water and got going. But as they sailed, oh, big enough boat to have a sail. There's two ways of using the word just moving in the water. You could say, well, we sailed across the other side. But this could also mean that it was big enough to have a mast and a sail. But as they sailed, he, now this you've got to go back and say, Who are the, who's the he? Well, this is Jesus. He fell asleep. And actually reading after this too, you find out it was Jesus. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. How big is this boat? How many people are on here? Somebody sleeping, the boat tossing back and forth, the waves roaring. Jesus wasn't afraid. Interesting. But the disciples were. Okay. So water started coming in. 
and getting filled with water. And they came to him, they came to Jesus and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. This was no just little storm and no just little bucket of water that came over the side. This was serious. And men, fearful enough that they had to go and say, Master, wake up, you know, we're in big trouble. And he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased and they were calm. Wow. How come they didn't know that? They had other miracles that they were forgetting. They were there at the wedding. They were there at this situation. They were there at that situation. But they had forgot that this is the master of the sea and the waves and the winds. This is the master. And there was a calm because Jesus said so. Jesus rebuked the wind. Verse 25. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? He saw them shaking in their boots, figuring this is it, we're going to drown. Never going to see my wife again and never going to see my children again. My aunts and uncles and cousins, I'm going to die here. So he says, where is your faith? And they became afraid, wondered, saying one to another, they spoke to each other and said, what manner of man is this? For the for he commanded even the winds and the water, and they obeyed him. They went down the same list of what was troubling them. And they said, what kind of a man is this? You know, it's not a man. <laughs> this is a Messiah. This is a Savior. This is a Son of God, the second in command of the universe. You mean to say he can't calm the water? Wow. This really should open their eyes and, and give them calmness. And they, 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 and they obeyed him. The winds and the waves obeyed him. How about the man and the, <laughs> the people he preached to? They should obey him too because he is the master of the sea and, and um, waters. Okay, let's keep going. As you can tell, I could get lost here in Luke, just no trouble at all, so I've got to keep going. Um, many people have measured faith. I have faith only so far. You know, I know God can take care of my dog, my, my cat, my, you know, the dog loves, the Heavenly Father loves animals. You know, we have some kind of faith there, but do you have faith for this cause, this difficulty? Yeah, that's a little different. We have to hang in there. Um, so we could run through things here that, um, um, what makes the difference? To whom or what do we give our faith or put our faith in? Where is our faith? Popularity? or pleasure, or position, or possessions, or people. We have to think about where do we put our faith. We can, uh, or how can we believe, uh, which received honor one of another. That's a Bible verse in John five forty four. Can ye, how can you, we're going to put faith in human beings, in popularity. If people like me, okay, I got a good God. If they don't like me, hmm. Jesus had to go through that too. They said they liked him and they were willing to kill him. Seek not the one for honor that cometh from God only. The honor should go to the Heavenly Father only. And we are just bystanders watching what God's going to do. Popularity is not ours. Some people put their faith only in the popularity. They desire to receive honor from others at all costs. If I could just do so-and-so, if I just had this part of my life that way, if I had a better pair of running shoes, I could make this grade. I could, <laughs> I could do this or that. I never could do sports after I got into high school. They didn't like me, but my parents couldn't afford the clothing they took to, to run in the races. That wasn't funny. 
that was hard pain for me because I couldn't be involved in any sports. What they did with me was they would take me in. You're supposed to go in the back room, you know, in the shower room and so on, change to your sports clothes, and then come out and play basketball or whatever else. And uh, what they do is they'd all line up, and the teacher would take his big board and uh, get you all lined up and spread your legs apart, and then he'd start you off. What? On my backside. And every kid along the row slapped me. Same way, all the way down. I, I wanted to go back to school the next day. Not. That was a horrible situation. For every time there's a sports day, they used to rotate the hours as well as the days. If you were in day three, it didn't, you, which day is that? Wednesday or Thursday or what day was day three? Because they rotated the number of the day and also what classes you had per day were all rotated. And so I didn't know which day I was going to get beaten and which day I had to have the right clothes. My parents couldn't afford the clothing. I didn't even have the running shoes. It took them months before I got the running shoes and the clothing that was supposed to be had. Yeah. Popularity? No. You're not going to get praise and happiness from your peers, the people around you, the popularity. It isn't going to be there. You receive honor from others is what we think sometimes. At all costs. I don't want to be beaten anymore. I want to look like I'm a human being and look like I'm liked. To be liked was important to me. We must seek honor that God gives. That's quite different. His honor is eternal. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. And I put a little C after it saying second, cha- second part of the verse. So chapter 5 verse 4. If we'll do what's right when he appears, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. It's not important for this crown that we would get in our club at school. We divided the school into four houses and you had three grades divided into four houses and these teams of houses would fight against each other in whatever sports. But what we're really looking for is the chief shepherd when he's going to appear. What is going to be our lot? Are we going to have a crown? Yes, we're going to have a crown. And that crown will not fade away. That's what we're after. That's what we really need. That should be our goal. What our faith should take us to. We need to be humbly, humble uh, ourselves before God. To humble ourselves before God that he may exalt us in due time. That's in 1 Peter 5 verse 6. 6 is just, you know, just one, two, two verses down. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Due time. I'd sure like it if I'd gotten it in grade 7. No, that didn't work. It didn't work in grade 8, grade 9. I finally got a little bit of respect when I got into grade 10 and 11 and 12. I could do algebra and geometry and you know all of those, whatever they are, the sciences and so on. I could do those things. Don't ask me to get into the basketball. That never worked for me. <laughs> football so I never could do that stumble over my own feet or something uh, but give me mathematics now nah, you got yourself a challenge okay? and chess I used to play chess in school with my peers yes that's where I thought I could shine well really it is that you can't get it from popularity we need to be humble ourselves before God. And when I'd get to, uh, to church services, it didn't matter whether I could add and subtract or not. In fact, we train people in college to do mathematics and they steal from the bank. And they <laughs> you 
It's not mathematics that's going to give you help, right? It's going to put you in jail. Used wrongly. So um, we need to be looking to the Heavenly Father. Humble ourselves before God. What about pleasures? Oh, we'd all like to have pleasures. Fishing and boating and whatever. We'd like to have some pleasures. Uh, The only pleasure I got was when I would listen on a shortwave radio to Australia and listen to who's popular on the radio station and go to school in the morning and kind of look around. They don't know that so-and-so is popular in Australia. There's no use telling them because what would it matter to them? (laughs) That was the only pleasure that I could get and it wasn't to be given to somebody or, or taken from. Turn with me to James chapter 5 and verse 5. James. James 5 verse 5. We have lived in pleasure on the earth. We do have a lot more than we think we have. And been wanting, oh, swelled up a little bit, huh? And missing what we should have. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. What? What kind of death? What kind of slaughter? What what does this mean? We're picking on the stupid things and we're saying that's going to be part of my pleasure. The sacrificing of animals or the butchering of animals or uh, go to war. Is that going to give you pleasure? No. No. But we have lived in pleasure because of these things on earth. What about the future? We're going to have a different earth, very different earth. God made this earth to be inhabited. But what kind of a habit, what kind of a habitation is it going to be? Well, it's going to be phenomenal. In fact, there's a verse that says that it hasn't even entered your mind how good it's going to be. So anything you see now is just short, small potatoes into what's coming. Wow. Okay. So I put some notes here. I told myself that there's millions that love pleasure more than God. They live for fun, enjoyment, for their pleasure. Uh, It's fleeting at the best. But then I wrote in here above, I needed to look at this chapter 5, verse 5, and look down a little ways and up a little ways. In, number th- in verse 3, the last part, it says, heaping treasures together for the last days. People think, oh, uh, I've got to earn a lot of money and put away something, and I've got to heap these treasures so that uh, there's a day coming when this might disappear. You know, there might be a, f- a bank crash, so I've got to put all these things away. Um, that's not going to be it. What about verse uh, 7? Verse 7, in the first part. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. That is our goal in life. What's it going to be like when Jesus returns? When the judge judge returns, what's it going to be like? Wow. We better prepare for that. Be patient and wait for it. Verse 8. I got a number 3 down on the side of the page there. For it cometh of the Lord, draweth nigh. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Be patient. Establish your heart. There's something else to keep on our mind and to do. Stay busy with. Be patient. Establish your heart. Because the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. You know, we sometimes say we, we've read all of this in Revelation, all these problems and things that are coming along, and we could dwell on that. But you know what happens? Immediately after these days that the Lord will return. When he comes, the heaven, Jesus comes, sets up his kingdom for a thousand years, it's going to be phenomenal. And then after the thousand years, the Heavenly Father comes and the Holy City comes down. It's going to be even greater. So that's what we should keep our mind on. The coming of the Lord is coming. And one more here in verse 9. Uh, I got a G after. It must be the last words of that. The judge cometh before the door. Jesus is going to be the judge. Have you got a good in with the judge? Yeah, we better. Heavenly Father's going to be part of this judging between right and wrong. 
uh, it's, he's given it over to Jesus to do, but the judge is standing at the door. Now what are you going to do? Going to let him in? He used to sing songs like, uh, better hide those things that are on the coffee table when, <laughs> when the preacher comes to the door. Um, what if Jesus came today? It was part of this, those songs. You know, would you have to hide some things that you wouldn't want Jesus to know? Yeah, that's not good. We need to humble ourselves. And uh, that's in 1 Peter 5 and verse 6 as well. And, uh, and 1, 1 Peter 5 and verse 4. Let's look at both of those because we're, we're real close here to Peter. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. We'll do 4 first. Um, 1 Peter 4, chapter 1 and verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible. First, just a second. First, Peter, making sure of myself here. Chapter 5. I'm sorry. Chapter 5. Chapter 5. Chapter 5. Um, and verse 4. Oh, that's, yes, okay. I took the paper out of there already. Sorry. I've done that, and verse uh, 6 is right there. Okay, so I've taken the paper out of there already. That helps me get there. Oh, I jumped way back up there, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> let's go down here. Um, they shall receive God's eternal pleasure. Psalm 16. Oh, and he even wrote that this is important. I put great in there. So look up Psalms chapter 16. There's my little paper. Okay, chapter six, chapter 16, Psalm 16. And now I want verse 11, last verse. Thou wilt show me the path of life. Wow, is that real? God said it. Must be. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore, forevermore. So God is going to show us the path of life. We can bank on that. That's way back there in David's writing. David was a man after God's own heart. He knew what he was doing. In thy presence, talking about the Heavenly Father, in thy presence is fullness of joy. We all want joy. We all would like to have pleasure. Well, the fullness of joy is right there. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Wow. Why forevermore? Because if we make it right with God now, it goes on forever. No end. So that's where we need to be. Yes, okay, and I did mention that when Jesus comes, a thousand-year reign in the kingdom, I had 1 Corinthians 15, 28 and Revelations 21 uh, one through three, if you want to jot those down and look them up, they will give you a blessing that when Jesus comes, there's going to be big changes and it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be helpful, it's going to be a uh, place to be, it's going to be pleasured, pleasurable uh, to be in the reign of Jesus Christ. That was First Corinthians 15, verse 28. And also in Revelation 21, one through three. Revelation 21, that's an interesting one. That's when the holy city comes down. Some people believe the holy city comes down and God is here on earth and then Satan attacks the holy city. New Jerusalem. Oh, no, no, no. You didn't read the chapter before. In the middle of the chapter before, that's when Jerusalem is being under attack by Satan and all of the wicked people. And they don't get away with anything because fire comes down and all that. The next chapter is after the people have been thrown into the you know, Satan and all the evil, it's thrown in the lake of fire. And then it starts the next chapter and it says the holy city, New Jerusalem, comes down. Whoa, that's a good one to remember and know what good will be then. 
Next one is uh, our position in life to think on, and I'll try to go a little quicker here. Uh, Labor not for meat which perisheth, whatever the meat is, your your food or anything else that's going to be a position for you to have. Uh, We want that, uh, and it's pleasurable, but that's not an enduring pleasure unto everlasting life. That's in John 6, 27. John 6, 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth us, but for the meat that endureth unto everlasting life. That's what this world is all about. It's a, like a practice ground. Don't make too many mistakes, but do it right. Finish well. Serve the Lord because that's going to be life everlasting. Some people want their faith in their jobs and social position. Um, that's, that's not a good deal. They live for temporal pursuits. That's sadness. It's not going to come to much. I'm not in that job that I got for eight years. I moved on. <laughs> and I've had many jobs since then. We must give God first place, seek for to, things to please Him. That's in Matthew, um, Matthew 6.33. Seek God first, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek um, the kingdom of God and righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Turn with me to... Um, Oh, yes, I know why I wrote that there. Uh, Where should we be? In Psalm 122, and verse 1, and then verse 6. So Psalm 122. There's my little marker. Um, 122, in verse 1. We had to memorize this when I was in church school. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go unto the house of the Lord. Is that our normal behavior? Should be, right? So I wrote on the side in ink. You're not supposed to add to the Bible, are you? Uh, This is okay if it's only for me, but you can borrow it if you like. I get to go to church. (laughs) I get to go. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of of the Lord. And verse 6 Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Well, you know what? I'd hate to lose that verse out of my Bible. So I marked it in red. Every once in a while, I remember to pray for Jerusalem. They got enough troubles over there. God is being very good to them. God is looking out for them. But this says that if I pray for them and seek God's blessings on them, they shall prosper that love thee. Okay, I'll take it. I want some prosper out of that too, so pray for Jerusalem. Okay, going on. Possessions. A uh, man's life consists not in... um, Oh, I'm going to have to... The ink sunk in here and I didn't get it. Things which each possesses. Oh, okay, in Luke 12. I want a couple more verses there too. So go to Luke 12. Luke chapter 12. And verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. We can get so lost in that. If we get away from what we should be having our eyes on, we could stack up this household of stuff. And uh, it it happens to everybody. So you're not alone. (laughs) When my wife's folks passed away and we had to get rid of this stuff take it to Goodwill, take it to somewhere. Um, 
and it takes stuff away. And I stood at the burning barrel for three days, burning papers and stuff that was important to them, but not anymore. Our possessions are not going to give us the affection and love that we expect and our happiness. It's not going to build our faith. When my mother passed away, my dad did first and then my mother, we had to give away all kinds of things out of a two-room, three-room apartment. All kinds of things had to be given away. Couldn't bring them home. Transport them a thousand miles. Wasn't going to work. Um, when Pearl and I are looking at the stuff in our house, Bible, there's a Bible word, stuff. You look it up sometime. Interesting. How many times the word stuff is used? When we pass away, we don't want our children to have to go through our house and say, why did they ever keep this? It's just stuff. We're starting to give away stuff and throw away stuff and put it in the recycle and whatever. We're starting to get rid of things. At our age, I guess we better. <laughs> uh, it's not the abundance of the things that you possess. It's are you ready to meet your maker? Now that's important. I hope they will find my Bible. I hope they will find this and find that. I got my mother's Bible. Pearl had her mom and dad's Bibles and gave them to the children already. So it's passed on down. What was important was marked. I want to see also a little bit more here, verse 16. Uh, and it gave a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. Uh-huh. Plentiful. Now what is he going to do? Oh, he says, I know what I'll do. I don't have enough room for the abundance. There's verses that say that if you serve God well, that he will fill your barns with plenty. <laughs> well, he got it. Now he's saying, you know, I got plenty. I got lots. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the old barns and build new ones, bigger. And then I'll have room for all of the goods and fruits and everything that I've got. And then verse 19, and I'll say to my soul, hey, look at what you got. Soul, thus hast thou, hast, no, thou, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. I got it all. Take care of myself from now on. Soul, listen to what I got to say. <laughs> Himself. But God saith unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? There is a super cross-reference to this one in the Old Testament. Really great on, on how much are you saving? Who's going to get it after you got it and storing it, piling it up? Yeah. You lay up treasure for yourself. And who's going to inherit it? Who's going to have it? Are you going to be happy with the way it got used? Might as well get rid of it now. Put all of your faith, not in your possessions, but in the Lord's will. Things that amount to more. They're way more than money. But it's so easy in our world that money and cars and houses and gadgets. I was going to bring a little thing, gadget here. I was going to bring it about that big. 16 kilobytes. Wow. That's 40 years ago. Now that's a wow. Pop open door and addresses and names and phone numbers. and That's a gadget. Wow. Bet you nobody had one like that when I got it. <laughs> it's just junk, right? It's stuff. Who's going to want that nowadays? They don't bother with it. They already got it in their back pocket. <laughs> what are you marveling over that silly thing for? Um, yeah, who's going to want it? But mankind does it. Rather than the love of God, we really have to have our mind put the right way. Love of God has got to be the most important thing. Scripture warns us not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us rightly, richly, 
all things to enjoy. Well, this to me, all of a sudden, enjoy just popped up for me. I had to look it up. So I started looking up verses on joy and was absolutely shocked. There's First uh, Timothy 6, 17, 17 was what I just read. And uh, the joy in Ecclesiastes, I, I narrowed in to, to a search for the word joy or enjoy, enjoy, just for the book of, of uh, Ecclesiastes. Chapter, one, one, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, chapter 2, 24, 3, 13, 5, 18. That's just in that one book of the Bible, Ecclesiastes. It's okay to be sure to give to others, to give God the, the praise, to give God praise is what it says there. That it's okay to enjoy what you have, but don't let it get out of hand. Can you give it up? Would you give it up? The last one is, do we put our faith in people? And I write, not. (laughs) Modern way of talking nowadays, isn't it? No. People are going to disappoint you. The best of the best, you'd say, oh boy, if I could just be that way, and it'll fail you. But Jesus answers to them all, have faith in God. That's in Mark eleven twenty two. Mark eleven twenty two. Put your faith in God, and give praise to God. Um, some people want to have faith in doctors. I sure hope that doctor that's going to work on my eyes <laughs> knows his stuff. <laughs> um, yes, I'm pretty sure he does, but he can't give me eternal life. He can't get, make my eyes better unless God is there. For a long time, I thought it was going the wrong way. For weeks, it was going the wrong way. Another doctor came along and said, oh, you shouldn't be taking that. Stop this one right now. Oh, no, you can't stop immediately. You have to phase it off. Okay? It was the wrong medicine. So if we put all of our faith in people, we're going to be very disappointed. We need to appreciate the good and uh, we must turn our dependency on the Heavenly Father. His power is unlimited and never fails. That would be 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. So in all of this, don't put your faith in any of those things. Just put your faith in the Heavenly Father. And he will take care of us. May God bless you.